the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, We have uh, quite a bit to catch up on, and we will talk in a few moments with uh, John Schlafly, of course, of the Schlafly Report, which is available each week uh, on Tuesday nights at townhall.com, our sister site, and then available archived at phyllisschlafly.com. He's got a good column this week. We'll visit with him on that. All right, um, lots to cover. First, let me remind you, please visit proamericareport.com, proamericareport.com. That's where you can go and uh, check out all these great interviews from the Pro America Report. You can also sign up for the daily email that goes out uh, every morning at 8 a.m. East Coast time, 5 a.m. Pacific time, and everywhere in between. And you, all you do is go to ProAmericaReport.com, put in your email address, sign up, and you are all set. I, I promise I don't sell your email address. I don't uh, I don't send it to uh, trade it with others. I don't do anything with it except send you this email each morning. And what it has is a few links uh, of key stories, a few comments, uh, and often one of the links to my program here, which we turn into a podcast also. And so let me say uh the the title of the email is called what you need to know what you need to know the daily wink and this segment is called the wink also what you need to know today's wink today's what you need to know is about conscience now i i haven't resisted this topic but i just know it gets uh kind of esoteric quickly and so what i want to comment on though and why it's so important is because in the last day and a half or so uh one of the very uh, influential religious leaders that have an impact on the military the archbishop who's in charge uh, of the military meaning in charge of helping chaplains catholic chaplains in the military staff the uh the military he came out and said It was, in fact, appropriate for any Catholic who believes, uh, has an objection to the vaccine that he could, the archbishop said, he could invoke the religious exemption, religious exception, conscience protection. Why is this important? Well, one reason it's important is if you're a military man and you don't, or woman, you don't want to take the vaccine and you try to claim a religious exemption for conscience, having the archbishop say it was okay is kind of proof that you're within your religion. He's one of the religious leaders. But we'll get to all that. What you need to know now is the question of conscience and religious freedom is at the very heart of America. It's at the very founding of America. It's at the very sense of sovereignty and self, but it's not only in the way that you'll sometimes hear libertarians or others say, you know, the individual can do whatever he wants. That's not actually what conscience protection or conscience is about. So let me first walk through this. Americans know a little bit about the idea of conscientious objection because of Vietnam in particular, although it existed years before that and other times. But in the Vietnam era, there were people who objected and said their conscience did not allow them to participate in war. And if they had a firmly held belief that was based on their faith and their faith tradition, whether you were Quaker or Catholic or whatever, you could be exempted from the draft or serving in the military. Flash forward uh, into the era after Roe v. Wade, 
where lots of different healthcare providers and healthcare systems and healthcare uh, insurance providers were making an argument that the people who are providing care, a doctor, for example, or a nurse, must participate in anything that is legally, that is lawful. So if abortion is lawful, which is what Roe v. Wade said, then a doctor can't object based on his own preference, his own conviction, his own conscience. And there have been a lot of litigation. And, and some of the laws that were passed in the 1980s, actually, about this were passed in places like Illinois. There was a Rights of Conscience Protection, Rights of Conscience Act passed in the 80s that was kind of conservative, really conservative, actually. But so all down through the uh, the years, there was this question. And generally, the tradition held that you couldn't make a doctor or a nurse or any other healthcare provider participate in abortion, in part because it was impractical. If you try to make someone perform a healthcare procedure that they don't agree with, you're you're inviting uh, poor performance, right? It's a little bit like you, you, it's hard to go to court and uh, and sue your uh, doctor and say you must do this. You don't want to have to force somebody to do something like that, and that's why a lot of the penalties for something like that, or a failure, are are more likely to be monetary. Because what are you going to do? Make someone do something poorly? They don't want to do it. So. Into the 20, 2000s, there started to be litigate, litigated, and I was involved in one of these, cases that had to do with the conscience of pharmacy owners and pharmacists who did not want to dispense Plan B uh, uh, and, and other uh, drugs that were abortifacients, RU-486 and others. And there was a lot of litigation and there was lots of people. And Rod Blagojevich was the governor of Illinois. He wanted to force uh, pro, uh, healthcare professionals to dispense RU-486 and Plan B and all. It became a little bit of a hot button. And even though I did help with some of those cases, I have to say, legal cases in Illinois, I always worried because it felt like we were arguing sort of in retreat, we were saying, well, the, the, the society may allow abortion on demand, a chemical abortion, all these things. I just don't want to have to participate. I'm, I'm moving off out of the playing field. And what happened was there was lots of creation uh, of the expectation of accommodation, right? So you, you were saying, oh, I don't want to participate. And they were saying, well, fine, but someone in your community has to. And the government said, well, we'll provide it. If you won't do it, we'll provide it. And it felt like we were losing the argument on the underlying issue, murder of a child, in favor of religious freedom, and it always worried me. Well, flash forward to today, and we're watching the government mandate healthcare decisions on people of all different stripes and sizes. You can be a, a, a 25 year old, healthy, you know, uh, no comorbidities, someone who sees, does a, an analysis for themselves and says, I don't want to take the vaccine. Well, you're being mandated in certain settings, in the military, for example, or in the case that the Archbishop brought up. At least one, if not more than one, of the vaccine lines was was uh, formed by use of abortion tissue, and that's objectionable to people for obvious reasons. And the Archbishop, uh, for with competence for the military, said you shouldn't have to participate. Here's what I want to get at: at the heart of America, at the heart of America, has been the expectation that there would be respected uh, for we the people this notion of. Religious liberty, free exercise. There's no formal religion for America, but there's free exercise for whatever religion you're in. And that includes not just that you have it privately, but that you have the public expression of that, that you have the public manifestation of that, that you be allowed to not be forced to act against that. And the reason why is because the system was set up 
again, I've talked about this before, with sovereignty coming from we the people and God-given rights. Well, from the beginning, we acknowledge God-given rights that we the people are granting and the sovereignty that we're granting to the state government for the federal government in this community is meant to be respective of that, respecting of that. And what we have to be aware of right now is we're seeing the growth, maybe say it better, we're seeing the increase in the acceptance that government can do whatever it needs to based on what it decides is right or wrong as to science, as to safety, and it's gone past the point of acceptability. I mean, obviously, if there's a flood or there's an accident on the road, a law enforcement officer can make you stop. You have no right to say, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going into that water. I'm going to keep going into that accident site. Obviously, there's moments where for safety, maybe not a perfect example, we can be stopped from doing something. But the notion that conscience, a well-formed conscience, which means not just that you wake up and say, oh, I happen to be this and therefore I don't want to pay taxes. No, well, no. In the case of the health care mandates, we have people who are expressing a preference based on their notion of what's good for them, what's good for the, um, the, 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 uh, their family, and in fact, what's good for the community. And this is where we get to the point where you're being told too often by the powers that be that they demand that you act because it's for the greater good of the community. And that overrides your preference. And that can, I just told you an example, or the draft. But in this case, we're going too far and we're watching abuse of the American people by the power of big tech, big media and big government. But in this case, big government, especially. And we should resist it. We should not only resist it, we should acquire the language of resistance on this to say why say that look we the people we have rights that don't get superseded we the people especially when it comes to faith and matters of faith we have rights that don't get superseded and it's a big fight that's worth having we got to talk more about it so that's a little bit of my reaction i'll put up on social media the article that i saw on this subject with the um, the, the bishop the archbishop and uh and we I, I just i think we have to come back to it it's a big big topic so uh, we'll take a break everybody we'll come back when we come back we'll talk with john schlafly uh and his weekly column ed martin here on the pro america report back in a moment <laughs> Welcome back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report, and it's time to check in with John Schlafly. The Schlafly Report posts every Tuesday evening at townhall.com, our sister site, and also it's archived over at phyllisschlafly.com. Excuse me. John and Andy Schlafly write the weekly column, continuing the tradition that their late mother, Phyllis Schlafly, did for decades and decades. It's called the Schlafly Report. This week's column, uh, working title, Biden down to 38%. And, uh, John, I was reading this column. It's about Joe Biden and the, some of the coverage, uh, which I've seen, is um, that he's dropped from, I don't know, 52% approval rating down to 38%. Um, obviously, he has uh, dramatically shifted. But I want to ask you, late in the piece, you talk about, um, Cal- you mentioned the ca- paragraph on California. And you say, where a groundswell movement to recall Governor Newsom was shut down by a mail-in system enabling unverified voting. I think that's factually true. I don't know about the numbers inside it. But I was surprised how dramatic those numbers were. I mean, basically two to one Democrats to Republicans voting in that one. And uh, lots of reasons. I don't know what they are. Uh, Recalls are funny things, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, But... um, 
do, do we really know what happened in California? Do we really know what's going on? I, I, I mean, I've been putting my description uh, eggs in the basket of uh, Virginia, but I, I don't know if we know what's going on yet. What do you think? Well, the, the, the uh, of course, a lot of things have been going on in California uh, since the last Republican was elected statewide. Um, so I'm not, we're not, we can't attribute it, all of that to just one thing. There are other factors. But, um, you know, it, it, cert- it was notable that just, uh, just, you know, just in connection with the recall, uh, Gavin Newsom put the final nail in the coffin of their loose election system by calling for all ballots to be returned by mail instead of just some of them. So that was a, a point worth noting. Uh, mm-hmm. As we've spoken before, Ed, uh, you know, mail ballots by mail are inherently not secure, and it's only getting worse due to the slow-motion decline and collapse of the United States Postal Service. The Postal Service was never designed to conduct an election or deliver ballots, and it's just wrong for any state to depend on the United States Postal Service for uh, ballots, except in extreme circumstances that can be carefully monitored and observed by both parties, which, of course, is not happening in California. Right. Uh, We're talking with John Schlafly. John, I'm looking at a Rasmussen poll. I don't know if you saw this. 73% of respondents say making mail-in ballots, a a, a mail-in voting permanent is bad bad policy. 84% say cheating impacted the 2020 election outcome. And 85% say wider mail-in ballot uh, voting use will lead to more cheating. Now, I I, I caution and say, okay, 73%, 84%, 85%, that's all Republicans. Okay, so those are Republicans surveyed. But I dare say, and I don't have it in front of me, but I know it to be so, by about 2018, January of 2018, a year into Donald Trump's first term, the, the Democrats, having been faced with Russia, Russia, Russia hoax, Hillary riding around saying the election was stolen, uh, I think the numbers were about 85 percent also. Democrats thought the election was stolen. How in, in the name of all that's kind of smart and good... Are we going to have elections when people don't believe in high, high numbers that the system is working? Maybe say it differently. People only believe it works if their guy wins. And so what are we headed towards? I mean, how, how do we handle this? Well, we simply have to plan ahead. And it's not too soon to plan ahead for the next presidential election to secure the ballots, because certainly the Democrats planned ahead, as you just pointed out, in 2018. That's when. Uh, their top attorney, Mark Elias of Perkins Coy, was riding high. Uh, now, of course, that firm is on the ropes now because uh, one of the partners in that firm was uh, it, 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 it charged, indicted mm-hmm. by uh, Durham in the it, as in due for in in connection with the Russia hoax. And I believe Mark Elias has left the firm, but still, that was the, they had year, uh, years of a head start, and the Republicans were simply not prepared for the avalanche of uh, litigation and statewide changes that occurred in 2020. So we've got to, you know, say that what happened in 2020 was one time only, and we are going to return to the local conduct of elections in which 
the balloting and the counting are conducted in real time where they can be observed by people from both sides. Uh, so, John, um, back, back. Let me go back to the column. I, I got myself digre- uh, d- uh, off topic a little bit. Biden down to thirty-eight percent. I guess the, the other part of this is when you see numbers that say that eighty-five percent of Republicans don't believe in the elections, and thirty-eight percent now of all to all respondents think that Biden is not up to the job. But the problem is, elections aren't about who's up for the job; they're head to head. Can 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 a uh, can twenty twenty two include Republicans making an argument that we have something different than what Biden and Pelosi are doing. Are they are they making that argument, do you think? Uh, well, you certainly do have to have somebody to vote for, not just vote against. And as we point out in the column, uh, the Democrats are handicapped not only by Biden's uh, collapsing ratings, but also Ed, by the fact that they don't have uh, a team of potential successors. I mean, now that, you know, Mario, I mean, Cuomo was knocked out. Uh, You know, uh, Kamala Harris is obviously not going to cut it. So who else do they have? Uh, Gavin Newsom, I think, even though he won the recall, he was damaged by it. I think it's safe to say. And so the Democrats don't have a credible candidate, at least this stage, at this state, who can uh, carry on the progressive agenda. So the only candidate that we see who's riding high now uh, is Donald J. Trump, who's uh, conducting rally after rally. Very exciting. The Republican Party is almost united uh, behind him, except for a handful of bitter people uh, like, uh, uh, you know, Cheney and Kinzinger. And they even started out, if you can believe it, Ed, did you notice that Christine Todd Whitman, of all people, yeah. and most of your yeah. listeners don't yeah. even remember who she was. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. what they had to do in order to join uh, uh, Cheney and Kinsker for to joint op-ed, uh, yeah. calling for, and, and their argument was this. I don't know if you saw it, Ed, published just a couple uh, of days I, I, ago. They said... Yep. That since, you know, since Donald Trump has such a command of the Republican base, uh, (laughs) such that no candidate for House or Senate can successfully be nominated or elected without Trump's support, therefore, these so-called ex-Republicans are saying... We're, we say that we have to support Democrats running for House and Senate. Now, isn't that, isn't that a shocking betrayal? I mean, that's what we're dealing with, Ed. And these are people who used to have high positions. I mean, Christine Todd Whitman was governor of your native state, if you forgive me for pointing that out. I was, I was, excuse me, I was born in, excuse me, excuse me, I was born in New York City, John. I I did live in New Jersey for my childhood, but I was born at St. Vincent's Hospital. But wait a second, let me push back on this. You're falling for the trick. Christy Todd Whitman was a blah governor of a of a of a state that leaned blue then and she ran as a pro-abortion moderate all that she comes from a family of money in horse country she and w used to share 
horses and exchange puppies. That that little puppy that W had was from the Todd Whitman family. And this guy that co-authored it, Taylor or Tyler, he was anonymous. And, you know, he was the guy that wrote anonymous and all. And I, I love when he finally came out. I think Trump was quoted as saying, anonymous, I don't even know who that guy is. Like, I mean, he was not a, this wasn't, as you point out, and, and we would have a different conversation with negative con- connotations if it was Kissinger and, uh, I don't know, you know, uh, somebody, somebody was John Ashcroft. If they, John Ashcroft and Kissinger did an op-ed and said, you can't vote Republican, we'd be interested. Christy Todd Whitman and Anonymous? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no well, response? Uh, well, <laughs> you know, as, as we all know, those people do have resources. They'll be given time on, uh, in the media. I mean, oh, they've that's true. been given yeah. time to express their views, and they have money behind them. And uh, and they have Bill Crystal. I mean, maybe that count, maybe that still counts for something. Um, I don't know. But, don't but, know. <laughs> but the uh, you know the the lesson there is a concession that uh, the Republican base is still solidly with Trump, and that's important. You know, it's important to remind people that uh, uh, they have not dwindled or dissipated as a result of the events of uh, of January. I mean... Well, and I, and I, I would say, I'd go, I'd go one step... People hoped yeah. that would happen, but it did not happen. Right. I go one step further, John. I, I think that if you could somehow, I, I don't know how you do it, really break it out. There's a whole lot of Americans that are even even Democrats or nothing that are now saying, OK, whether he was a mean tweeter or not, we had somebody in charge. Right. I mean, when 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 Taiwan, when Taiwan is being faced by mock invasion uh, exercises by the Chinese, which they did over the weekend at a nearby island and flyovers and all, if they're not doing it because the weather is right and they suddenly realize that america's uh you know uh, military isn't strong they did it because they know the president of the united states is it's a rudderless situation i mean one thing you alluded to in your piece again we're talking with john schlafly was susan rice and and ron Klain. i guess i don't know if you mentioned Klain, but these people seem to be running things and it's not going well but here's back to my point john if you run the gop and they win the house let's say and you get speaker paul ryan and his, what is his, you know, yes, Trump is the dominant figure, but what is the vision of the Republicans as speaker? It, it, you know, I, I guess in some ways they'll be able to sort of play defense or torture, you know, the executive. But if they do it with the normal things like, oh, here's your proposal on this, we'll cut taxes. I'd like to see this, John. This was suggested to me. I'll tell you on the air to our listeners. Um Part of the problem, it was proposed to me by a a fairly smart lawyer, is that the oversight committees in the House are are just grandstanding. They just grandstand. You know, think of Adam Schiff. I guess he's judiciary, but think of those type people, even Jim Jordan. And this person said, it's not what you should do. The appropriation committee for each of these departments should be the place where they come in and they grab these people by the wallet. And they say, what's the story with this, this, and this, and this? If the Republicans win the House and don't do something different... I think a lot of Americans think the Republicans are the problem, too. Now, your point is they'll go over the top because of Trump if he's on the ballot. But I just I think we're I think it's a drain the swamp moment. And the Republicans are going to pay a price, too, if they're not uh, careful. Well, there's there's something to that, of course. But, uh, you know, the the uh, I, I would say the Republican candidates are more Trump than they than they were four years ago. And. 
and Paul Ryan is gone, and um, you know some of the uh, some of these others I think will be gone, and there is a younger crop uh, who are not uh, wedded to the uh, platitudes of the past, and I think you know things will be different next time. And uh, well, we got to hope so. We have to have control of the houses, of both houses, in order mm-hmm. to. <clears throat> protect the president you, you can yeah. see how the democrats use that power exactly they're other their weak president and yep. uh, republicans will have to do the same yeah all right john i'm out of time i went over john schlafly the schlafly report is available at townhall.com and also archived over at phyllis schlafly.com uh, i'll post it also on social media thanks john we'll talk again next week um There you have it. We'll take a break, everybody. Be right back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. (laughs) Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Our next guest is Tammy Nichols, our frequent guest. She is, of course, serves in the Idaho House of Representatives. She's a longtime friend of the late Phyllis Schlafly and mine. uh, Works on a lot of issues. But apropos the news out of Washington that Facebook is mean and nasty, according to a whistleblower, Tammy, uh, you got suspended from Facebook. I what a you're such a sweet a mom, a small business owner. What what could you have done that got you suspended from Facebook? Exactly. Yeah, you know, and <laughs> Facebook has told me that they're for freedom of speech and that they're for you know people getting their thoughts and ideas out there. But apparently, it's very selective. So yeah, I got um, I got put into Facebook jail. Um, I don't know how I've how I've managed not to be in there this whole time. I guess now, but um, yeah, I basically I posted a link. You know, uh, Project Veritas came out with their their videos, their undercover videos that they were doing on on uh, Pfizer and and a bunch of the the pharmaceutical stuff on the vaccines. And so I thought that information was really important. I didn't even say anything about it. I just posted the link, and evidently that was enough to uh, to get me put in to Facebook jail for for a little bit. So, <laughs> but I got out. Did you get did, Yeah, I was going to say what what how you how did you get out? Do you know how you got out? You didn't know how you got in, but did you know how you got out? Yeah. Well, you know, they tell you that that you violated their community standards, but they don't tell you what those community standards happen to be. Um, And then you're able to dispute it and you click the button to dispute it. But then nothing ever happens after that. There's nothing for you to say or no one contacts you or or anything. And and keep in mind that I was I was in there for a week. So there was, you know, ample time to be able to do so. But, um, yeah, so you don't know why you're in there for sure. And there's no way for you to, to, you know, have due process of any kind. So you just kind of have to stay there and, and figure out, you know, other other means or, or get messages through other people to be able to still get your message out. Um, so, yeah, so I got in there um, and then, you know, the, the 24 hours came and then the, the hours started counting down. And uh, and then I was down to like 30 minutes because <laughs> you can actually wow. click and watch your time as you're going through the process. <laughs> and wow. So, so, you know, when you're going to get out, but in between, you know, there's nothing else that happens. So then they, they did finally let me out. But I'm sure I'm sure there's a, a red mark against my name somewhere there. <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> but maybe now they're all somewhere, right. you know, race, though. So, 
Yeah, well, exa- exactly. Although, you know, you know, the thing is, we're talking with, again with Tammy Nichols, uh, serves in the uh, legislature in Idaho. When you watch the, uh, I did I did my opening segment on this, and I, I'll send it to you for your thoughts to, uh, to listen to, but, um, you know, when you listen to, uh, when you watch uh, Congress up there, so Wall Street Journal and 60 Minutes run profiles of this whistleblower from Facebook, and they make her seem like she's, you know, mm-hmm. the greatest thing since sliced bread. And then they then sure. the Congress immediately puts her up, puts her up in front of Congress, and they make her seem like the greatest things in sliced bread and then they, they ultimately she says the solution is that we um, ask Facebook to be held liable for the content of people posting on their page and 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 the way to get changing 230 and the way to get around that is Facebook will start regulating and guess who they regulate who the government is going to tell them is bad speakers so it, it, in right, other words you're, sure. you're and and yeah, and so Facebook is going to now have to work with the government, but they've shown a pretty good ability to get in good with the government. I mean, they, they seem to own the Biden mm-hmm. administration, and then the, and then mm-hmm. the, and then nobody else can try to get in the game because if you and Tammy Nichols and Ed Martin start their own parlor, we can't even we can't hire people fast enough to fight through the government regulations. So it protects yeah, a monopoly it and it allows it them to control speech because there's no liberals that are getting silenced, as far as I can tell. Can you see any? No, no, there really isn't. And, you know, and I think we still have to get back to the whole thing on, you know, is Facebook a, a publisher or are they a platform? We still haven't even decided that yet. And if they're functioning, right. they can only function as one under the law. And if they're not functioning as the one that they're supposed to be functioning under, which is a platform, then then they they should lose all the all the government benefits that they are getting um, because they are functioning as both a platform and a publisher at this time. They are they are already deciding what kind of speech and and who can say what um, you know and and remove those that they don't agree with um, you know and that's why this whole like little shutdown thing was was interesting and then the whistleblower coming out I mean I think it's all smoke and mirrors and I think uh, you know that they are going to try to get um, in really good with the government and and work with the government to be able to um, continue to take away our First Amendment rights. Yeah, I mean, again, I, what I was going to say, you know, I realized as I said that there, I guess there are maybe some liberals. I'm thinking of like the NBA, the African American NBA players that are otherwise liberals who don't want to be vaccinated, and they they do they may silence them. That may be the only category. That's the only yeah, category you can actually be right. quote unquote liberal on there. All right, give us an update on Idaho. When we when last we talked a few months ago, you were fighting critical race theory in the education. You had a lieutenant governor who was challenging the governor because uh, the governor had been so off base on lockdowns and, and uh, shutdowns and masks and everything. What's happening in Idaho right now? Yeah, so so since we talked last, um, we had a group of, of legislators. So the House is still in session. The Senate is not, but we were we've been trying to get our our House members back into into the Capitol because we do have um, you know legislation that needs to be addressed, and we do have issues that are taking place, um, you know, both on the on the state level and on the federal level that we need to deal with. So there was a group of us that did go back to the Capitol. Um, we weren't able to establish a but what we did is we had asked for people to bring their their bill ideas so they've had drafted uh, that uh, have to do with the mandate so that we could go through those and they could explain it because nobody's even been able to talk to anyone about any of the issues that are going on and so people do have ideas they do have um, bills that they have prepared uh, to address the issues and so uh, that's what we did and and we did a press conference we 
um, went back down to the Capitol floor and into the House and uh, went through the bills that, that everybody brought with them. And so, mm. you know, that was really good. And, and what that did is that triggered um, the establishment, some of the leadership, uh, to have to to take another step. And so we have a federalism committee. Now, we don't know if they're a dual federalism or cooperative federalism committee, but they're a federalism committee. And uh, and they um, got put back into um, to meeting together to address the, the federal mandate. Now, of course, that doesn't do anything with what's happening in our state in regards to the hospitals and the nurses and all that sort of stuff. It only addresses the federal level issues that are going on. And uh, Mm -hmm. so I had the opportunity with four um, other legislators to be able to present my bill um, idea in front of the Federalism Committee. Now, unfortunately, I think everything was already kind of decided before the Federalism uh, Committee uh, finish up. Um, I call them appeasement mm-hmm. meetings, appeasement committees, because they're just to appease <laughs> right. the public. Um, but, you know, we're right. doing something, but everything's already been predetermined. So only one bill was was um, recommended to move forward. And um, and it's, it's addressing the, the federal issues, but it's very, very milquetoast, very vanilla. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. still doesn't accomplish what needs to be addressed on the state level. Uh, my bill does both. And it's actually a, a privacy bill um, to protect your your right to privacy on on your health information. So anyway, so we're we're I'm fine tuning that bill a little bit more now. And um, there's a ch- a good chance that we're probably going to be back into the Capitol before the end of this month. So uh, we're just trying to get our bills ready just in case, um, because we want to have those those prepared and ready to go um, if we're able to get back into the Capitol. Uh, on a on a fun note, though, our governor did leave the state again. He um, went to go take a tour at the border and so our lieutenant governor was able to step in to to fill uh in that position and she did go ahead and and issue an executive order um to uh address the um some of those mandates and especially uh, passports yeah and having to um be forced um you know for for shots or anything like that now the governor immediately uh you know she she put that out on her twitter and immediately the the governor put a twitter post out saying that he would resend anything that she did when he got back so so there we are again um you know she did that with a mask last time that he left and uh, and then he feels that he can just um, take away her constitutional abilities when when it is her turn to act as as governor. Um, but she um, she went ahead and did it anyway, and we appreciate her continuing her efforts and in, in trying to do that. So, and uh, we're talking with Tammy Nichols again uh, up in Idaho. Uh, Tammy, what about um, the uh, heartbeat bill? And there are the pro-life movement up there. It feels like Idaho should be like one of the leaders in pro-life. Tell me where you are on the pro-life stuff. You know, Idaho, you would hope you know, that um, everybody, everybody here in Idaho, you know, uh, says they're they're pro-life. Um, we did pass a heartbeat bill. It was not the version that I had put together um, prior. Uh, they took my bill and um, really watered it down, changed a lot of stuff in it. And so it really has no function. It, it has a lot of provisions in it that rely on either overturning Roe versus Wade or, or different things along those lines. So none of it actually will take effect. Um, so it's, it's kind of right. one of those feel good bills, you know, that, hey, we passed pro-life legislation, but it really doesn't do anything. Um, I would I would like to, you know, get back in and actually um, do what Texas did and and be able to just go in and and um, and put put a bill that actually has teeth to it. And so I am going to look into that for for our next session. 
All right. Well, Tammy Nichols, thank you as always. I'm glad you're out of Facebook jail. We'll see if you last long. I thank bet you, you won't. But uh, what can you do? You know, I mean, it's uh, it's part right. of the price of being out there away. these days. Yeah, exactly. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hey, Tammy, remind me, it's not in front of me. What's your website for people to find out more about you that are listening? Yeah. NicholsforIdaho.com. And it's F-O-R. Nichols for Idaho.com. NicholsforIdaho.com. Thank you. Sorry, I didn't have it in front of me. I couldn't find it. I was flipping through here. No All right, worries. we'll talk again soon. Tammy Tammy Nichols, everybody. Uh, NicholsforIdaho.com. We'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, presenting a daily conservative pro-family perspective since 1983 and continuing the legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, from the Phyllis Schlafly Center Studios, Ed Martin. It is not merely conspiracy theories which resulted in a significant unvaccinated population. For years, the vaccine police were already complaining about people who decline ordinary vaccines and wrongly blamed them for outbreaks when the real source was untested immigrants. Millions of illegal aliens swarming over our border untested for COVID-19 are contributing to the resurgence in the disease, especially in Texas. Yet liberals try to blame unvaccinated Trump supporters rather than close our borders to the influx of the disease. In Texas, a federal judge blocked enforcement of Executive Order GA-37, which would have stopped taxpayer-funded groups from transporting potentially millions of COVID-infected illegal aliens into and through Texas. President Biden should return all those illegal migrants to their countries of origin. The Biden administration insists that the Texas executive order would somehow interfere with federal jurisdiction over immigration and impede alleviation of overcrowding in border facilities. Yet it's Biden's open border stance which attracts the illegal aliens into our country while he could easily block their entry and stop the spread of COVID right there. Phyllis Schlafly was called all kinds of awful names for pointing out the fact that illegal aliens often bring foreign diseases with them. That might not sit well with the pro-immigration crowd, but who can honestly doubt that America's standard of medical care is far beyond what you will find in the third world nations from which illegal immigrants pour in? Democrats have a big double standard on this issue. On the one hand, they say America should have compassion on those who are less fortunate who supposedly come to our borders seeking a better life. At the same time, they also reject any attempt by conservatives to point out the fact that the Judeo-Christian American culture is far superior to the culture of these illegal aliens' homelands. If the left is correct that America is no better than any other nation in the world, why would anyone want to leave their homes to come here? America is still the best nation on earth, and we must have strict vetting procedures for all immigrants to make sure it continues to stay that way. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. Illegal immigration burdens our schools and social services and opens doors to criminals and terrorists. Outdated visa programs divert jobs from Americans. PhyllisSchlafly.com chronicles these outrageous unfair practices and provides answers. Go online to PhyllisSchlafly.com. Thanks for listening and join us next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Hey, 
We just got a couple of minutes to wrap things up because those interviews went a little bit long. Uh, let's talk for a moment about inflation. And uh, this is not something I, I'm, I'm, I'm smiling because I'm watching the uh, media, the, the fake news media, try to twist themselves into knots. Um, and there's lots of implications of inflation increasing at such a dramatic rate. Um, one of them, uh, which is uh, was unknown to me, I, I, I guess if I'd thought about it, I would have realized it. But a few years ago, I'm not sure how long ago, Social Security was increased. The increases to Social Security re, uh, payments was tied to inflation, which means that Social Security is going to go up by 5.9 percent uh, this coming year, which is a massive cost. Now, it, the reason why is because if you're a senior getting Social Security and inflation goes up, some you're going to be really losing your ability to keep up if you don't have this increase. So I get it. But it's, a, it's going to be a massive, massive cost to the government, and uh, and it's not done increasing. The other one is in, in covering the bad inflation numbers, uh, the problems with the uh, supply lines. You know, we have empty shelves coming. Then there's this. Uh, since 2014, we've never had gas prices this high at this time of year which impacts all kinds of things. This time of year is key because you're starting to put trucks on the road, bringing, uh, pardon me, especially uh, goods to uh, for uh, Christmas, and it starts to increase the uh, impact. And the explanation of the media is, well, you know, it's people aren't going to really uh, mind because they know uh, we're in a recovery. What recovery? What recovery? I mean, it's unbelievable to watch. So it, the, the, the signs are ominous every day getting worse and worse in terms of the economy, uh, which is worrying. Um, hopefully, we'll see some turnaround. I'm not sure what it will be, but um, uh, it's wild to watch the media t- uh, twist themselves in knots. All right, thank you, as always, to our great producer, Noah Dingley, Joanna for helping book our guests, and uh, you for listening. We'll be back tomorrow. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Thanks for tuning in. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.